Good morning. We are doing a deep dive into the beautiful stories of Jesus as they are told by the Apostle John, who was an eyewitness to the ministry of Jesus. And John paints amazing word portraits of him. And through these glimpses, we get to know the living God. I've got a question for you before we start. Can you recall a time in your life where you really needed God to move in an extraordinary way, where you needed a miracle? Maybe you're in that place right now. So just hold that thought because I think God might want to speak into that need today. We're going to be reading from John chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his, his disciples. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one even to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go amongst so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. You know, I've read that story many, many times. But as I read it again this week, I was stopped in my tracks at verse 6. But first, let's get a bit of historical context. Jesus is at the height of his popularity. He has gained a massive reputation as a healer and now huge crowds are starting to follow him in the hope that they will also be miraculously healed. And when the Bible says that there are 5,000 men, that doesn't account for women and children. So scholars estimate that there could have been several thousand more on the hillside. Many had travelled for days over long distances to see him and they were hungry. Obviously, there was no massive Woolworths or Brumby's Bakery in the area. People would just carry the food that they needed for the journey and most of them had probably eaten all they had and yet they were so desperate to see Jesus that they, they hadn't turned back home to get food. So, to verses 5 and 6. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. The Passion Version reads like this. Now Jesus knew what he was about to do, but he said this to stretch Philip's faith. 
Can you picture this scene? How would you feel if you were Philip? Philip is presented with an impossible situation. Thousands of people walking up the hill towards him and Jesus turns and asks him, how are we going to feed them? What are you going to do about it? You know, maybe Philip was the group caterer, the, the logistics guy, the one who always procured food for the band of disciples as they travelled from town to town. He probably looked after 20 or 30 people every day, but 10,000. And Philip knew that even if they had that sort of money, there was nowhere in the area where they could get that much food. So what is Jesus doing here? Is he torturing poor Philip? Is he deliberately giving him a task he cannot succeed at? Well, yes. Is he doing that to humiliate him? Well, no. John says in verse 6, he asks this only to stretch his faith. And you'd see Philip trying to work it out. Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread. This is an impossible situation. And Jesus is thinking, yep, it sure is. And this is exactly where I do my very best work. He already knew what he was going to do. I love that so much. Jesus had already sorted out in the spiritual realm. And he's trying to teach his disciples to see that realm. Philip, you can try to scheme and plan and reason and do your very best, but sometimes there is nothing to be done but watch Jesus do his thing. So the disciples bring the very little that they have in their hands. A kid with five bread loaves and two fish. Did they bring that to Jesus as a joke? Or did they have a slim, wobbly, skerrick of hope that Jesus could change the situation? And Jesus accepts that little bit of faltering hope and says, I can do something with that. And he takes it and he multiplies it and he does something miraculous. Over 10,000 people eat their fill. Who would have believed it was possible? Did you ever wonder why the loaves and fishes are even in this story? Jesus is God. He could have created bread from thin air, but he didn't. He created the miracle from a small offering that the disciples handed to him. It was like he waited for that expression of faith even though it was as small as a flickering candle and he blew on that flame and turned it into a bushfire. I can see a pattern here. Impossible situation. Ask Jesus for help. He says, what are you going to do? So I offer what is in my hand and Jesus does his thing. I've seen lots of feeding the 5,000 moments over the years. As a matter of fact, it's probably the reason I believe in the power of God more and more with each passing year. 
I've seen a marriage that had fallen apart in horrendous ways. You could never imagine with human eyes that it could ever be put back together again. But they prayed and Jesus said to them, what are you going to do about it? He said this to stretch their faith, but he already knew what he was going to do. The couple knew they were in an impossible situation, but they brought what was in their hands, a little bit of humility and hope. And they placed it at the feet of Jesus and he said, I can do something with that. Now watch what I can do with willing hearts prepared to lay down pride and start from scratch. And a miracle of reconciliation happened. Who would have believed it was possible? I've seen a man locked in the prison of addiction who reached the end of his rope and he prayed, I can't go on, this is impossible. And Jesus said to this man, what are you prepared to do about it? But Jesus already knew what he was going to do to help. And the man took that tiny seed of hope and he gave it to Jesus and he said, that's all I've got. And Jesus said, that's all I need. Look up. We will walk together into health and wholeness. It won't be easy, but there is a miracle of restoration coming. Who would have believed it was possible? I've seen a person who was desperately worried about a colleague who was leading a destructive and selfish life. They wanted their friend to know Jesus, but the situation seemed impossible. They prayed and prayed and Jesus said, what are you going to do about it? What's in your hands? What can you bring? But he already knew what he was going to do. And they said, all I have is the decision to consistently love my friend and reach out to them with compassion and understanding. And Jesus says, you watch what I can do with that. A very difficult situation came up in the colleague's life and it was their Christian friend that they rang, the one who had never given up on them. And she was able to gently lead her to Christ and a restored life. Who would have believed it was possible? I've seen a man from PNG named Kiat Trakaloa and a man from Melbourne named Rick Painter cry over the needs of the PNG people. It was an impossible situation. But they prayed and they heard the Spirit of God say, what are you going to do about it? Jesus said this to stretch their faith, but he already knew what he was going to do. So Kiap and Rick planned a small playgroup where mothers could learn basic care for their babies and Jesus said, now watch what I can do with this. And he blew on that small beginning and fanned it into flame. And now there is a thriving school in the middle of a slum in Port Moresby that is educating over 250 kids and giving them a chance to break the cycle of generational poverty. And it is financially supported by a very ordinary group of Christians in Frankston of all places. And Jesus has not finished with that place yet. Who would have believed it was possible? There is a pattern here that we see over and over again. Impossible situation. Ask Jesus for help. He challenges, what are you going to do? 
we offer what is in our hands and Jesus does his thing. What is happening in your life right now that seems like an impossible situation? You might be begging God to do something about a relationship, a job, a financial problem, a health issue. And maybe he is saying to you, well, what's in your hand? What are you going to do about it? What are you willing to change, to invest in? to give up, to move towards. Maybe he is stretching your faith, but he already knows what he is going to do. He already knows how he can turn your impossible situation around to make something new and beautiful because Jesus is in the new creation, second chance, fresh start business. You will look back and say, who could have believed that Jesus turned that around? He worked a miracle. Just a little sidebar here. What a privilege it is to have Jesus stretching your faith. Now, as a teacher, there were were certain students that I saw great potential in and I wanted to stretch their abilities. Why? Because I knew that they were the ones who could achieve so much more if they were taken another level higher in their skills. So if you feel God is testing you, putting you in impossible situations, Perhaps, just perhaps, he is preparing you for greater kingdom impact. If you are a person who looks at this broken world and says, how can it ever be different? How can things change? This is an impossible situation. Jesus could be testing you to stretch your faith. What are you going to do about it? But he already knows that he is planning to work miracles of kindness and compassion through the people who call him Lord. So you bring whatever you can. You bring your talents. You bring your intelligence. You bring your service. You bring your money. You bring your presence. And he says, ah, now watch me make a miracle of provision and generosity out of that. And you stand with the people of God and you watch those who are grieving being comforted and those who are confused finding clarity and those who are struggling financially being fed and those who are lonely being enfolded into the family of the church and those who are broken being glued back together again. Who would have believed it was possible? Did you ever stop to look around and see that the love and goodness in this world is exponentially greater than the sum of all of our small efforts? That's because Jesus takes them, small and insignificant as they appear to be, and he multiplies them over and over again. And in the abundance of God, there is always enough to supply our needs and plenty left over. That's the, wait, there's more part of this story. Not only are the loaves and fishes multiplied to feed all of those thousands of people, but then the disciples get another lesson. Grab some baskets and pick up the leftovers. There is always more. God doesn't just supply our needs. He gives us enough to overflow towards the needs of others. And the question that we've been asking every week is this. What does this word portrait of Jesus tell us about our God? 
He only needs a willing, humble, giving posture from us to work miracles in our lives. He is a God of abundance and wants to bless his children with riches. Whoa, Marcy, are you preaching a prosperity gospel? No, the riches I'm talking about are the genuine riches of the kingdom of God, the riches of peace, joy, hope, faith, and love. In the book of Galatians, Paul describes what these riches look like in a person's life. And as I read this, if this list doesn't appeal to you, then maybe the kingdom of God is not for you. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, and able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. I wanted to finish today with this week's painted portrait of Jesus. It really represents to me the perfect picture of Jesus living in absolute abundance. What does Jesus have here? Wealth? Property? Fame? No. What he does have is the most intimate connection with his Father, which is the most valuable thing in the universe. And from this communion, everything else that matters flows. Later in John chapter 6, we hear Jesus say these powerful words, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is saying, I am the basic staple that your soul needs to live and to flourish. What else are you chasing after? Nothing else is that important. All you need is bread. All you need is him. I want to finish by praying for people right now who feel like they're in impossible situations. So let's pray. Father God, for everyone who is in uh, the sound of my voice right now and who feels that they are, they are facing a situation that they cannot see a way out, an impossible situation, I ask that you would speak deeply into their hearts right now, that you would reassure them that you can work a miracle in their life, that you already know what you are going to do to turn this around. Lord, I, I pray that you would help them to look at what's in their hand. What is it that you, you are asking them to think about, to change, to hear, to move towards. Give them a way forward, Lord. 
and we know that you in all of your abundance will come into their situation and work a miracle. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are a God of abundance, that there is always more in your kingdom. Help us to be the sort of people who take your goodness and overflow it to the needs of others. We ask this in your name. Amen.